Hi, listeners. Welcome to the She Speaks Life podcast, a weekly encouragement where we share our God stories. I'm your host, Jamie Elizabeth, and I am so glad you are spending time with us today to listen. Hi, listeners. Welcome to She Speaks Life podcast. I'm so glad you are here today. I am so honored to have my new friend on here. Hi, Anita. How are you? Good, Jamie. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for coming on here. Sure. So this is just such a crazy story. So Anita and I, we met at church through a Bible study. And when we just started chatting and getting to know each other, she had mentioned that she has just moved from San Clemente, California. And that was actually the same city that I was born and raised and moved from there to Austin, Texas five years ago. So we had a lot to talk about, right, Anita? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So it's just so fun to see how God puts people in your path and all the similarities that we got to share and just all the feels of moving in the the first year of a of a new state and a new city and I just love Anita. I know you're going to love her story today. She is just a remarkable woman of faith and you're going to be amazed by this miracle story that she has to share. So Anita, you want to share a little more about yourself and just give a little background for the listeners? Sure. So I'm married to Vince and we now have three kids. We have a 25-year-old who's my stepson. His name's Nick. We have Sophia who is now 13 and our youngest is Christian and he's nine. Awesome. So you want to just kind of start from there as to how this this experience that you had with God came about. So um, Vince and I had, um, I'd given birth to Sophia so at that point, we had only had my stepson, um, Nick, and then Sophia, and she was about two or so. And because there was such a big age difference between Nick and Sophia, we really wanted to try to have more kids. And so we did get pregnant again, and we lost a baby in between Sophia and Christian. Mm. And then it took us about 11 months to get pregnant with Christian. And just kind of a hard season and just, you know, trying time after time and just kind of walking through that. In the midst of that, we had really accepted Jesus. So we were raised in environments where we went to church. We knew about God, but we never had a personal relationship with Jesus. And so we like to say a lot of times our life got significantly harder after we accepted Jesus. And that just was part of our walk and our experience in life. And so once we got pregnant with Christian, a couple of things had happened. One is I had had a amniocentesis done with Sophia, and that was incredibly painful for me. And so I refused to have that done the second time around with Christian. But I had been 34 when I delivered Sophia, 34 years old, and then I was on track to be about 39. Okay, so the amniocentesis what exactly do they do? An amnio is a test that you do where you pull out, the doctor pulls out amniotic fluid to test the health of the baby before okay. they're born. Because I wasn't 20 years old when I was given birth. I was oh, a little bit yeah. later in life. <laughs> <laughs> so then yeah. when I was pregnant with Christian four years later, then of course the doctors are right off the bat like, well, we have to do an amnio. There's nothing else to do. And mm. I said, no, we're not going to do that. Like I said, I had had that done and it was incredibly painful for me. And so just didn't want to go through that process again. So our OB at the time had said, well, there is a different test we can do. Because of my age, they were checking for things like Down syndrome. Some of the common things they're doing when they kind of like quote unquote tag you as of advanced maternal age. Right, yes. (laughs) And so we did the sequential screening. And that's a series of blood tests that your doctor does over time. Um, And on one of the panels, the results came back that Christian was diagnosed with what's called trisomy 18. Mm. And so that is a pretty gnarly genetic disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the babies don't survive. Mm. 
And if they do, if they are able to be born mm -hmm. alive, mm -hmm. uh, most of them live very, very short lives. Mm -hmm. Because typically what happens with trisomy 18 mm -hmm. is that major organs don't develop. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so right off the bat, our OB at the time had said our only option was to terminate. Mm. And, um, wow, that's gotta be hard. Yeah. That opinion of theirs, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the, our, to be fair, our OB at the time, not a believer. Right. Like a great guy, but a Jewish guy from the East Coast. And yeah, he just, uh, he wasn't where we were in our own walk. You know, we would stand up real boldly and say, look, we lost a baby in between the two kids, in between Sophia and Christian. And if this is the baby that God want us to have, we weren't mm -hmm. going to get in the way of that. Mm -hmm. And so that was really difficult. I had actually taken a phone call from my OB and Vince was out at the time. And I remember the doctor specifically saying, whatever you do, don't go online and Google that trisomy 18 because oh. I had no idea what that was. Yeah, yeah. And so then I did. I looked it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> By the time Vince was out, he came you home. Tell me not to. I will. <laughs> I'm curious now. Uh, yeah. And I was kind of a wreck. And so that kind of started a process because we were now in, you know, in a relationship with a doctor who believed that our only option was to terminate pregnancy. Hmm. And being believers, we felt like that's not at all part of God's plan. And so we mm -hmm. started a very, really, really difficult journey as a family. Um, now, when you got the news, did you just come home that night and hit your knees and pray or that that was pretty hard there I was already at home when the doctor had called me and Vince was out and so when he came home we started talking about it mm -hmm. and I think I was somewhere around four or five months pregnant yeah so along in the pregnancy right, um, right not at a spot where clearly if we had opted to we could terminate the pregnancy but I mean enough mm -hmm. I was far enough along to where I knew I was pregnant. We were excited to have a baby again. We were moving yeah. in the direction as a family yeah, to grow you, our family. Like You passed that three-month time period. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So then we started having conversations with the doctor a little bit more and looking some stuff up online and just kind of started talking and praying. And we, because when you get a diagnosis of trisomy 18, you're just kind of hit like a two by four across the head. You don't really know what that is, what to expect, right. what the consequences are, either positive or negative. Mm -hmm. So we started down that journey. Fear just completely overwhelms you, I'm sure. It is in doubt. Yeah. Probably the single largest emotion I mm -hmm. could clock the entire pregnancy was doubt. Mm. And for sure the enemy would sneak doubt in all over the place in mm -hmm. our small group relationship in our family relationships mm -hmm. in Vince and where he was in his walk or me and where I was in our, our walk so essentially at the beginning Jamie we were not on board at all with one another like I was saying no there's no way that we're going to terminate and Vince was more like well, but this is what the doctor has now instructed us to do. And so, right. you know, he, he doesn't know. He's not pregnant. He's not been carrying the baby. But he's mm -hmm. he's getting what, cons what we would have considered sound medical advice and telling us our only option was to terminate. Mm. And so it was hard. Mm -hmm. it, it became a real struggle for us in our life and in our marriage to kind of wrestle with that decision. Because yeah. ultimately, even though the father has... Uh, a big say in to terminate or not to terminate it's it's really ultimately the mother's choice to sign the paperwork to do that right it's not up to the father no and so that was really hard for him because mm -hmm. as my husband and the father he had he was really forced to sit in a spot where I was the one making the final decision mm -hmm. whether he agreed with it or not so right. there was a lot of it, it was yeah. it was just a really difficult time for us in our marriage as we shared things with like our small group like i said we would have people that would show us youtube videos of a baby that lasted 91 days and how wonderful that was and i was devastated i was devastated that mm. people would think that that would be an encouragement to us my stepson was actually really amazing he didn't tell me at the time but he told me after christian had been born that 
he and his dad were kind of wrestling with the conversation about termination. And Nick had said to Vince one time, Dad, you can't do that. That goes directly against what God's word says. And he would have been 16 at the time. And so really kind of what happened in our household is everybody got really moved out to like just about arm's distance. Mm -hmm. And so we as a family really shifted gears and we would lay hands on my belly every night and we would pray. Mm. And we were just in complete dependence on what God was going to do. Yeah. You know, still getting bombarded with a lot of information and a lot of kind of factual medical, what seemed like the right advice. Right. But really in my heart of hearts, I just kept looking at Vince and I said, I can't do that. Yeah. Okay. So then the other um, piece of medical information that we came across somewhere along the way is that if trisomy 18 is ever going to work itself out in utero, that's a seven day window from the time you have the cutoff of termination of pregnancy to if it works itself out in utero. Okay. And so I would look at Vince and I would say, so we can't wait seven days? Mm. Like that just seems, yeah, that just seems absurd to me that we just can't wait seven days to see what happens. Right. And right. again, right, you have doctors that are literally telling Vince like, Sure. You got to just do this. There's no way. There's no other choice. Sure. Not there's a possibility, but quite literally, there's no other choice. What a struggle. Like just everything, spiritually, emotionally, physically. You know, we do that in life all the time by, you know, what we see or what people are telling us versus what we know the truth is and what God says and... You know, you just feel like you're constantly being tugged and pulled yeah. one way or the other. Yeah, that, that's that got to be a devastating time to go through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the midst of that, right, if you look at kind of like the whole progression of what's going on. So we get the diagnosis. The only option we're given is to terminate. After that, I said, well, I'm going to switch gears and we're going to go with a midwife. And we made a decision to do a home delivery. So that actually added a whole layer of complexity to the entire thing. Uh, And of course, much, much more opinion for everybody else around us as to whether or not that was a good idea or not. And I would have been having a VBAC home birth on top of that. So I had a emergency C-section with Sophia. And then, so to do a VBAC birth and then at home with trisomy 18 diagnosis all in the mix of that. Yeah. That was that was made for some fun conversations. Yeah. yeah with everybody. I bet. Yeah. Right. And um mm-hmm. and then the other element that was kind of like interworking with all of this. So we got to a point where the OOB said, I can't continue if you're gonna continue the pregnancy. And so we found another practitioner again, that was the midwife gal who was a believer. Mm-hmm. And so when you get a diagnosis like trisomy 18, you are immediately switched and get introduced to all kinds of doctors that I never thought I wanted to know in my life. Mm-hmm. And so we switched from doing normal ultrasounds to what's called a perinatologist. And that's like an ultrasound specialist. Mm-hmm. So kind of coinciding with the information we're, we're getting with our, from our OB, we're confirming the results of the diagnosis through the perinatologist. So the first perinatologist that we ran into was a lady. And I can remember very specifically being in the midst of the appointments. I'm on the table. I have my belly exposed. She's looking at the baby, checking things out. And really what we're finding through that process is Christian had numerous tumors in his brain. He had one of his major organs that was not developing. And God has been really gracious to me in some case to kind of let a lot of the gory details of the pregnancy to really slip away. So it was mm. either the heart or the lungs that weren't developing. Mm-hmm. And then he had issues with his kidneys. And so these were things that we were seeing on test results and medical diagnosis throughout the pregnancy. Right. So that gal, the perinatologist, was it was a horrific experience dealing with this gal. She essentially did our exam starts to find these issues with Christian and the things that are not developing, and then tells us that our only option is if we are not going to terminate, that we are required to sign, I guess essentially, Jamie, what you'd call like a disclosure, like we know Mm -hmm. we're going into this, that everyone around us is telling us is a horrible idea to continue the pregnancy, but we have to 
sign off our rights as parents to be able to say that we disagree with them. And in her report and in her diagnosis and to me verbally, what she's basically communicating to me is, I don't have any idea what I'm dealing with. And that she wrote in her report, I don't think something to the effect of, I don't think the mother understands the severity of the situation and what life will be like with a baby with trisomy 18 after the birth. Mm. And really essentially looking at us and telling us we were crazy. Right. And told us that we were, she used like a religious term, like we were fundamentalists and didn't understand medical intervention and you know like welcome to labeling you what welcome (laughs) to the 21st century and do you understand that there are options available to you and blah 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 all this kind of stuff but really what she was saying is our only option was termination Mm -hmm. so she as vince would say if he were telling this story she forced the clipboard in front of us and we were required to sign off saying that we don't agree with her diagnosis we're going to move forward with the pregnancy on our own Mm -hmm. So now we have our original OB and that first perinatologist. We have since then met our practitioner that we can work with. We find a, so she's a midwife, a licensed midwife in the state of California. And it was just an amazing woman. Started talking with us, praying with us, figuring out the results and really discussing our options. And then we also had at that first perinatologist meeting, I'm pretty sure we had the gal that was going to be our doula with us in the room. Mm-hmm. So after I dealt with that perinatologist, I had told Vince afterwards, I was so angry with the gal. I quite literally wanted to get up off the table, wipe my stomach off, and punch her in the face before I left the room. I was, I I was livid. Yeah. yeah. I was really livid. And all the way through, we would share with people, we lost a baby in between the two. If this mm-hmm. is the baby that God wants us to have, I am not getting in the way of that. Right. And right. so then therefore you get the labeling like, well, you're crazy. You don't mm-hmm. understand what you're talking about. You really don't understand the severity of the situation and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So then we started, again, we were starting to switch gears, right? Because we have these medical people that are giving us only one choice, period. So then we ended up switching gears and getting a new perinatologist as well. A guy by the name of Dr. LeGrew, who was part of the Saddleback Medical Facility, which in which is close to San Clemente, where we were living at the time. And he was amazing. He's a man of God and just, and still was seeing consistently the same results as the first perinatologist. Mm-hmm. But when we shared with him that the, we lost a baby in between, if this is the baby that God wants us to have, we're not getting in the way of that. He would say things like, well, okay. Like he was just willing to walk the journey with us. Right, right. He didn't have a different diagnosis ever. Mm -hmm. He didn't see different test results at that time. Um, But he was willing to have conversations with us that the previous two doctors were not willing to even entertain. And so that was encouraging. It was encouraging to be around somebody who would say, I see these results, but I see what you stand for, and I'll stand with you. Yeah, yeah. So the pregnancy went on. Like I said, as a family, everybody in our life, essentially all around, our church family, our small group, our bloodline family, everybody really got moved out to arm's distance because what was happening is the more people found out about, the more they would interject their doubts, their own doubts, their own fears, their own suspicions, their own opinions, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't helpful at all. No, it just starts a divide, right? And because the journey that God had us on, it was really, it was really getting to be kind of harmful. We felt, you know, you Mm -hmm. could like feel the attack when you went out of the house every time. Sure. And not ill-meaning by any means, but just like concerned people sharing their opinion and you're kind of like, yeah, but God, that's not what you were telling me. No. And all God kept telling me was, you just keep walking forward. And it's hard to prove what God is speaking to you about. Like in your prayer time, in your quiet time, when, when you know that you know, it's like, how do you put it into words? Like it, you, you have no evidence. You just know that this is what God has spoken to you about. This is his direction, his instruction. And you're just walking in it faithfully and trusting with a good outcome. Right. Right. And that reminds me. So God was the only speaking to me in those times. He wasn't speaking the same messaging to Vince. Mm. And so as I was saying, this is what I need to do one step forward, Vince was really 
I mean, he was a big sport about it, but he was forced to kind of follow along mm -hmm. because again, right, he's getting information that that is factual and mm -hmm. we're deeming to be appropriate at the time, but he wasn't getting the same messages from God at all. Mm. And so it was really hard. It was hard on him mm -hmm. and we wouldn't find that out until much later, which I'll, mm -hmm. I'll get to that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Okay, so as a family, we're, everybody's kind of getting pushed out. We're laying hands on my belly every night at dinner time. We are getting drawn closer and being like, I can look back now and see how God was knitting us together as mm -hmm. a real family because we went from being, you know, man and woman having a baby that was separate from my stepson and my stepson had been raised in a different household but then came to live with us and all these things that God was actually really knitting real, real close together. And wow. at the time, I we didn't I didn't recognize it at all, but I can right. look back and see some of that stuff yeah, going on now. Yeah. So pregnancy is going along. Mm -hmm. We're hitting the mile markers. Nothing in the diagnosis or the perinatologist reports is changing at all. Okay. So things aren't shifting. The development in the major organs is still touch and go. It's not really working. Cysts are still all over the brain and kidneys mm -hmm. are still an issue. So major organs issue, development, right? kidney issue, the development, and the cysts on mm -hmm. the brain. So we go along, go along, and you know, it's just hard, mm -hmm. right? It's just really, really hard. At one point Can't when imagine. I was kind of getting towards the tail end, and I think I probably was meeting with my midwife and somewhere I'd either read or heard or something like that. Like if you were gonna have a home birth, it was probably a good idea to go to your local hospital and just pre-register, kind of like a just in case. In case you're, so when you give a home birth, by the way, you have to be considered low risk. There's no, it's not legally possible for anybody to deliver your baby at home okay. under normal circumstances mm -hmm. if you're anything other than low risk. So if I would have switched gears at any point in time to be like medium or high risk pregnancy, then my midwife would have had to say, in good conscience, you got to switch gears and go to a hospital. Right. We can't take care of you here. So I had a girlfriend of mine in San Clemente that went to church with us, and she was in the hospital for cancer. And so I went to visit her when I was pregnant, maybe eight months along or something like that. I mean, I, you know, my belly yeah. was big. Yeah. I just remember that. <laughs> so I go You're to... showing. <laughs> <laughs> big time. Yeah, and with Christian, I had like this big basketball belly. It yeah. was <laughs> kind of funny given my, my, you know, like my normal size. It was really cute. Mine were all the same shape. I know some people like <laughs> these different. Yeah. It's a girl. It's this way. Right, boy. right, right. I was just yes, big. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so I go over to the hospital and because Sophia had been born in New Jersey and we were then living in California giving birth at Mission Hospital would have been a totally new experience for me. I didn't, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't know their maternity facility or anything. So I'm already at the hospital. I figure, well, what the heck, I'll go down and tour it and look around and stuff like that. So I'm walking around the hospital with the nurse, kind of getting like these weird feelings as she's walking me around and kind of remembering some things that shift, like the, some things that kind of shifted in my brain to remind me of some challenging parts that I had in Sophia's delivery. And it, I wasn't really kind of putting two and two together until we got to the spot where she brought me over. So she toured the whole maternity ward. Mm -hmm. Totally fine. No big deal. Whatever. But like inside, something's kind of stirring. Then she says, well, go ahead, honey, go over here and like, here's the computer. You can put in all your information. And oh, by the way, I have to go in a different direction and do something. I think maybe like an announcement had called and she needed to go take care of something. Mm -hmm. So I go and look at the computer to pre-register and put in my information. You know, that way when you show up at the hospital and you're coming yeah. from a home birth, you, you like you exist, right? right? That's right. kind of the whole idea is your name and your insurance mm -hmm. information is already there. And think, so yeah, they I know you're to, a real person kind I of a thing. I had to pre-register yeah. even because I'm right, right, giving right. birth in a hospital. <laughs> exactly. I was like, uh-uh, I want to be in a hospital. <laughs> exactly. So I, up to medication, please. <laughs> yeah. So I go to the terminal. And then I'm by myself and I freak out. Hmm. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm just getting in my head. You are not supposed to be here. Hmm. You are totally not supposed to be here. The only place we're supposed to give birth is at home. Kind of like these messages were just mm -hmm. like, boop, boop, like really, really loud blaring yeah. in my ear. And mm -hmm. I, I freaked out so much. So I had to leave the hospital entirely. 
I walked outside and I called Vince and I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm freaking out. I feel like God's telling me I'm not supposed to be here at all. We're supposed to stick with our plan to have a home birth. <laughs> and he's like, on the other end of the phone like, okay, I don't really know what to do with that. Okay. He like talks me off the ledge. He goes, babe, yeah. I remember him saying, he goes, okay, no big deal. Like he's cool, cool as can be. Yeah, he's goes, like, We've, I've gone this yeah. far. Just... He's like, yeah. you know, I don't really know what to do with this information. Probably thinking in his head, he goes, no big deal. Just leave and come home and we'll talk about it when you get home. Aww. And he was like nice super husband. chill, which is <laughs> You kind needed of that calming <laughs> response. <laughs> I was like, I can't go back inside. Just literally, like, I'm freaking out. And he's like, all right, settle down. It's okay. Just come on home, and we'll talk about it when you get home. And I was like, okay, fine. So yeah. I did, you know, waddled my way home, and we chit-chatted. I was yeah, like, I, love I don't that know word. what happened. Waddled. Yes. You waddled. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, babe, I don't know what happened, but I was not supposed to be there. And he was like, okay, like, I don't know what to say about that, you know? Like, mm -hmm. we thought this would be a good idea for you to pre-register, but if you tell me that this is where you're supposed to be, then, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of times Vince would just look at me, he's like, how can I argue with some of these things? Like, you're having a, you're having a conversation with God, and yeah. I'm not involved yeah. in it. And he was there, he was yeah. wonderful. He was like, well, okay, babe, like, yeah. I don't know what to say to that. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I'm not gonna dare say no, so go ahead, Gosh. do what you wanna do. Okay. <laughs> So anyway, kind of in hindsight, I'm realizing like we're getting towards the closer to the end of the pregnancy. I'm probably around eight and a half to nine, maybe eight to eight and a half months pregnancy. And that's when this gal from our small group brings this video into small group and shows us the thing about the trisomy baby who only made it 91 days and how it was such a celebration for them as a family. But I, I was mad. Yeah. I mean, I walked out of there like a dagger to my heart and right. I was like, oh my gosh. So again... Remember, right. the whole idea is God's like, everybody's going to get pushed out and your little circle is just going to be the four of you and the baby to come and that's it. Mm. So we keep going along, going along. Our social circle is getting smaller by the minute and we are growing closer together by the minute as a family. You know, you have Sophia who would have been three laying hands on my belly and praying for me. So and cute. Nick, it's like so precious, right? Yes. Nick would have been 16 and really believing mm. in God, like he had already been a believer before Vince and I accepted Christ. And so just a strong young man yeah. and showing his childlike faith and realizing like, this is what God's word says. And you can't deviate from that. So And awesome. being just, you know, not mm. really like trying to be bold, but just believing God's at his word. Yeah. And yeah. then Vince and I just, I don't know, we were just kind of doing what we're doing, right? We're getting bombarded with information from medical appointments we start to see a little bit of the light at the end of the tunnel with our midwife because she's just incredible. She was a gal that we went to that we found in Oceanside. So we were driving like 45 minutes to go and get to her. Yeah. And just being, just praying and just being encouraged. And mm. Christian was developing enough so that we could give birth at home. But again, we still have these perinatologist reports that are coming in pretty regularly. And it's like, well, okay, this has gotten a little bit better, but still here's there's some big issues. Right. You know, so nothing is really dramatically changing as far as the perinatologists are concerned up to this point. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then we have, I think I was about nine to nine and a half months pregnant because we all know we're technically pregnant for 10 months. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I remember looking at my pregnancy book and I'm like, oh. 40 weeks? What do you mean? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's not nine months. No. <sighs> okay, so I'm at, I'm at the tail end, right? And like I say, it was around nine to nine and a half months pregnant. And our church at the time had, we went to Shoreline in San Clemente, and our church at the time had these Sunday night like prayer and worship nights. Mm -hmm. And I had gone before. I had been anointed by with oil by my pastors. My pastoral team had laid hands on me. I mean, we had people all over praying for us. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew what was going on, and it was really hard, and they prayed like crazy. I mean, they were faithful yeah. in doing that. So I had been prayed over, but nothing really shifted. So then one night in particular, I, I, don't, I don't know what happened. We'd gone to the church. We'd gone to church in the morning, kind of do our normal Sunday routine, just hanging out as a family. And somewhere in the evening, like around dinner time, I looked at Vince and I was like, um, 
you're going to have to put Sophia to bed because uh, I'm going to church tonight. And he was like, like his eyes went bright because he never did the ba the bedtime routine. You know, that wasn't his thing, right? He right. excelled in other areas yeah. and taking care of Sophia, but that was not, he was like, bedtime routine? Are you kidding? Mm -hmm. She won't go to sleep with me. And I was basically yeah. like, here's the baby. I got to go. Yeah, exactly. And, well, the baby, ba <laughs> the bedtime routine is hard, yeah, right? Okay. When you're nursing your yeah. babies and they they just love to snuggle mom yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Like, I, I get it. But yeah. He was kind of like, yeah. What, what do you I mean? Do? What am I going to do with yeah. her? Put her down at this time, blah, blah, blah. I'm out of here. I got to Write go. down the instructions, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was good. He, yeah. He knew, but he, you know, he was just like worried that if she wouldn't go to sleep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I go over to church and typically what would happen on these prayer and worship nights, they were usually bigger, a bigger gathering of people. It was real low key, like you know, kind of an unplugged, maybe acoustical set. We'd worship for a while and then we'd pray for one another mm -hmm. and we'd lay hands on one another. We just, we just pray. And then this night was different. There was a really small, intimate group. There were probably only about seven or eight people that night. And we had our old pastor, Paul, my girlfriend, June, who was a friend of mine and also on our prayer team at church. And just a dear friend of mine, just really, really sweet and had been praying for us already. We had a, old, a friend of ours, Patrick Steele, who was a guy that had been in a wheelchair and we were praying for him. He'd actually, in the last couple of years, has just passed away. And so mm -hmm. even just mm -hmm. thinking of him mm -hmm. being there, just, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of other people. Mm -hmm. And so we do the worship part of the night and then we start praying for each other and we're kind of moving around the room and you know, laying hands on one person and praying for Patrick and his healing and praying for different people, just praying for the needs of the, of the body of Christ. So then they, so the first time they start praying for me and everybody's kind of laying hands on me and it was this really strange sensation and I couldn't describe it to you at first. It took me a couple of days to really process what was going on mm -hmm. and be able to even articulate what had happened. But mm -hmm. I can I can see more vividly now kind of what was going on. So the first time they were laying hands and praying on me, it was almost like if you could figure out, Jamie, whatever like the one step below pain is. So if pain is a not as a ten for you, then it's like a nine, right? It's just right. right on the edge of the threshold of pain. And mm -hmm. there was equal amounts of pressure on the top half of my body that was pu pushing directly against the bottom half of my body. Mm. So as if somebody was pushing on my chest and my low back, but directly against one another. Wow. So while they were praying for me, this is the sensation that I felt. And oh it was, goodness. like I said, I could not have described it at the time. Right. I didn't know what was going on, but it was very real. And there was like equal amounts of pressure, like fighting against each other. Right, right, wow. So they pray for me this first time. This physical thing is going on. I don't even know how to describe it or what the heck's happening. We, and then they stop. And then they go, we pray for Patrick. We pray for some other friends and this and that. And then my girlfriend, June, says to our pastor, Paul, the Lord wants me to pray for Anita again. Hmm. And you know how when you learn to listen to the Lord, like I can understand this now, but I totally did not get it at the time, mm -hmm. where she was just waiting to hear from the Lord. So there was this very long, awkward string of silence <laughs> right as she was waiting to hear exactly what the holy spirit wanted to pray but the rest of the room was kind of like crickets yeah um <laughs> and time goes by yeah. so much so like it was so long that even my pastor was like um june are you gonna pray yeah she was like <laughs> she's so sweet she <laughs> yes i'm just waiting to hear from the lord <laughs> and then oh my gosh like it was, it was nothing short of miraculous. Mm. So June starts praying for me and like a, a bunch of things are going on at the same time. One is the Holy Spirit is telling her things that she didn't know. People that uh, like even in our church body information that they didn't know, like it was almost if she had a list 
and she was going down the list and praying. Wow. But she was praying very specifically, like conversations that only Vince and I had had with our doctor. Wow. And praying about that. She was praying about conversations that only Vince and I had had with one another, and we had not told anyone. Incredible. And praying about that. She was praying about conversations that only I had had with God, mm-hmm. and praying about that. And the only way that I can picture it and make sense of it is it's like this little list that God gave her yeah and the Holy Spirit was just leading her through and so she was just praying praying Mm. praying praying and like bam 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 like one item after the other and it went all the way from information that was known and readily available but the vast majority of what she what the Holy Spirit was telling her was information that nobody knew about at all Mm. and I'm listening to her and we're pretty early in our walk at this point. Like, we're only a couple years in. We're maybe like two years. From when you got saved. From when we were saved. We're maybe okay. like two years into our walk. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I'm listening to her pray, and it's like, bam, 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 bam. Like, one item after another. One mm-hmm. item after another. So I'm hearing this happen. At the same time, there's like this washing over me. Almost like I was in the shower, but not getting wet. Right. So there's like from the top of my head and all over my entire body, there's like this washing of the spirit over me entirely. And I am getting cleansed. Wow. And Christian is getting cleansed. And we are both getting healed. Oh my gosh. And it was like June's praying, like bam, bam, bam. And I am getting washed over like crazy. I don't even, I don't know what's going on. I don't even know how to explain what's happening at that point. But this is kind of the way, this is... What you're feeling. This is what's going on. So I'm getting washed, like, completely from head to toe. Baby's getting washed completely. Mm. And when she got done, I didn't say anything. I had no idea what happened. Right, I was like... You couldn't even put it in words. I don't... I was, like, dumbfounded. Right. And I'm not really... um, I don't get easily dumbfounded. <laughs> it's very but infrequent that I don't have did. words. Yeah. <laughs> As Vince would. The Holy Spirit's supernatural works here. <laughs> I don't know words to describe. I didn't know. Yeah. It was kind right. of like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's it. We kind of ended the night. I go home. Yeah, because you were trying to explain it to your husband when you came home, Okay, so Vince is sitting in his chair watching TV when I come home. Sophia had gone to bed super easily. Everybody was good. Quiet. The house was really quiet. I come in. I walk around, and I look at him, and he's, like, facing forward and looking at the TV, and I'm kind of at his side, and I put my hand on his arm, and I go, he goes, hey, how'd it go? And I was like, I don't know what happened at church tonight, but I'm pretty sure the baby's going to be fine, and I think he's, I think that's all I said. I'm not mm. sure what even happened tonight at church, but something happened, and I think the baby's going to be fine. Oh. He's like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. what do I say to that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, to be fair, like, he wasn't there. He didn't experience what I had experienced. Mm-hmm. He's trying to take my word for it. I probably sound totally crazy to him. <laughs> He's not, had not gotten that information from God still. Mm-hmm. And here's his wife saying, "Yeah, I think everything's going to be okay. I don't know what happened. I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah. You just, yeah. Felt like we're it like, was a healing duh. moment. Yes. We just right. don't, I don't know. I don't, like, yeah. no words. Yeah. So then, remember, we're late stage pregnancy, right? Mm-hmm. We're kind of getting towards the end. I go to church, have this ex- fully supernatural experience share it with Vince and he's like all right babe okay what do I do mm-hmm. with that you know mm-hmm. so um a couple of things happened after that one is we went back to Dr. LaGrue our perinatologist and from then on every perinatologist visit we had changed mm. the cysts on the brain were completely gone wow all of his organs had developed mm. And at the tail end, so like I say, we were like right to the edge, maybe nine and a half months pregnant. This was, I think this was our last appointment before I gave birth. And the doctor said, he goes, there might be a little bit issue with the kidney. He goes, but if it is, it's totally standard. It's absolutely normal. If he's born with it, he comes out, we do a quick stitch, 
quick surgery and he's fine. He's to it's not life threatening. Wow. He's totally fine. Praise God. What did the doctor, what was your reaction and we, the doctors? I don't remember what the, I don't remember what yeah. his response was. And I don't really remember right now if we shared what had happened at church or not. Probably not. It was. Did your memory go right to that prayer time that night that you feel like you got healed? I don't know. Or was it later on? I don't. Yeah. I don't. I knew that he was healed that night, but I didn't know how to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when you got the news that his organs that were everything all was fine, good, we walked out in the parking lot and we yeah. both we both like lost it. So Vince had asked the doctor, he's like, can you tell me 100% that our baby's going to be okay? And as any good doctor would, he said, I cannot tell you 100%. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you that. But from what I can see, all of the cysts are gone on the brain, all of the organs are there and developed, and we just still have this kidney issue. And like I told, like, yeah. that's about as best as he can do as a good any good doctor would do what a miracle right and yeah. so we walk out of there kind of again we're like in this mode of like hooray yeah. and excited but we don't know what's going on like all at the same yeah. time i don't know yeah i bet yeah okay so then the other thing that happened is that healing was on a sunday night by like monday or maybe tuesday i started to kind of like put the pieces together in my brain and then i could describe it like i could describe the pressure the opposite pressures and mm -hmm. i could describe the washing over and i could describe june like reading from the list of prayer mm -hmm. i could start to put words to that and actually articulate what had happened right, right so i reached out to one of our pastors at the time paul who was what the guy that was there with us mm -hmm. and then our girlfriend june and i was like texted them i'm like i don't know what happened last night but this is what i experienced and they were celebrating because they were like oh it's god it's yeah. god like did a miracle and I, i'm like i don't know what's going on okay okay <laughs> Okay, yeah. so we get ready to do labor and delivery at home. I have a great and relatively uneventful home birth with Christian. We turned our spa into a mineral bath and labored in there for a little while. Uh -huh. uh, then the midwife always sets up your bed real nice so you can yeah. give birth. You don't give birth on your nice white yeah. bedding. You give birth on, you know. So give birth to him at home. Of course. He turns out to come out and you know anything that was a challenge right then and there where they took care of right away they did so attentive like a midwife staff is so incredibly attentive wow in taking care of the needs of the mother and the baby and getting the baby to nurse right away and yeah we had some challenges in the midst of that but we, she took care of it right away they come back you know like they're really keen on making sure like the whole health of the mom and the baby are good and so you not only deliver and they stay for several hours afterwards, make sure everybody's healthy and solid and good mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But then the midwife also comes back like the next day and the next day. And, How nice. Right? To yeah. check on you and make sure you're, yeah. you know, and, right. and attend to any needs that you have or the baby needs and takes measurements and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's better than getting woken up every hour to make sure your baby <laughs> is fed in the hospital. Oh my gosh, I remember that. Like the nurse kept coming back every two hours or something. I'm going, yes, I fed the baby. I just need to sleep. Give me a nap. I know. <laughs> oh. Okay, so Christian's born at home, and that was a Friday afternoon. He was born June 27th, 2009. Aww. He was born, I probably will get this wrong. Vince would be like, I can't really believe you don't remember that. I yeah. think he was born at like 4.30 and he was downstairs. Vince will say he's downstairs watching a Yankee game with me by 5.30. Because oh, he's a Yankee God. fan. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so everything went, you know, like I said, there were a couple of little hiccups here and there, but they were all taken care of relatively easy. Mm. So then this is kind of like, the icing on the cake. Oh, what your midwife... Miracle baby icing on the cake. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's getting what your better? What? <laughs> what your midwife will tell you is whenever you're ready, you get up and you take your baby to your normal pediatrician. Whenever, like a couple days, whatever. Just mm -hmm. whenever you're ready, like the baby's fine, but you make sure you get to your own pediatrician. Okay, mm -hmm. fine. So he's born on Friday. We go through the weekend. And then I think it was probably Monday we went to see the pediatrician. So we went to the Sears practice and our normal pediatrician was Dr. Bob. Amazing guy, like just loves the Lord, loved on us, loved the kids, was awesome. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't there. He was on vacation. 
So his dad, Dr. Bill, like the original Dr. Sears, yeah. and he yeah. was our doctor that yeah. day. And so he checks out Christian, and you know how doctors do, like when the babies are little, they put the baby's heads like at their knees and their feet are right at your stomach, and yeah. he's looking at him and loving on him, <laughs> and just like, he's great, okay, what's going on? Like does a full checkup, full uh-huh. rundown for Christian, and you know, okay, he's fine. And by the way, do you guys have any questions? And I was like, uh, yes, as a matter of fact, I do. <laughs> Because Dr. Bill had not gone through, he'd not been involved in the process. He didn't yeah. see our medical records. Yeah, he didn't see any of that no stuff. background he's history. He's just like, yeah. oh, he's beautiful. Healthy he's, baby boy. Exactly. Yeah. So he said, I said, uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. And here I go and tell him. I said, he was diagnosed with trisomy 18. We were told our only option was to terminate the pregnancy. We had lost a baby in between the two. We felt like if this is the baby that God wanted us to have, we were not going to step in the way of that. Mm. And he, everything shifted. Yeah. He was amazing. Mm. Like Dr. Bill had said right off the bat, he goes, well, first of all, kind of gave us two little bits of information. He goes, first of all, good for you for believing in God. Mm. He was so encouraging for us at a faith level and a spiritual level to do what we did. Yeah. Then the second part of it was, he says, well, honey, let me, he was just, he's like so sweet and so fatherly. He's Mm -hmm. like, let me give you a little bit of background on trisomy 18. Why is it such a big deal right now? Like nobody even knew about it 10 years before, that kind of stuff. And so he's really sweet of giving us just like two minutes of background and kind of medically what doctors were doing Mm -hmm. in the midst of a trisomy 18 diagnosis, because Mm -hmm. apparently some doctors maybe didn't, if I remember correctly, like they weren't diagnosing it, they weren't catching it, and then they would get sued by the parents mm. for having, you know, right. these kinds of situations. Yeah. So he just kind of gave us the two, yeah. informa- two minutes of information and then really was more about like, this is incredible what God has done for you. Sure. And then he looked at him and he goes, I can tell you right now, there's genetically, there's absolutely nothing wrong with him. He is perfect in every mm. way. I remember his words exactly. Oh. So amazing. And then Vince, who had been, so Dr. Bill was sitting here with Christian, and I was sitting right next to them, and Vince was across the room. And Vince is, he's a big guy, Mm. right? But he, Mm -hmm. I didn't really notice until he kind of interjected in the conversation, and he had been like on the edge of his chair. And he goes, wait a minute, Doc. Are you sure there's nothing wrong with him? And he starts crying. Oh. Oh. He goes, can you say that again? Hmm. Just and those goes, words, I'm sure. He's he goes, there's nothing yeah. genetically wrong with this baby. He's perfect in every way. Yeah, yeah. And Vince just lost it. Yeah. Aw. And so, I, what you a, know, it was so hard. It was so hard watching him. And we got, we wrapped up the appointment. And we got in the car. And I looked at him and I was like, babe, why didn't you tell me? You were still holding on to all of that. Mm-hmm. And he was like... I didn't even know. Yeah, yeah. You know, but when you, like I say, when you look back at what had happened, Mm -hmm. he wasn't at church when Christian was healed. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? I I just, I understand where he was coming from. Right, right. And that he just didn't even know that he was holding on to that much anxiety Mm -hmm. and worry and fear until he saw Christian and the doctor had told him, Right? Sure. We started out, doctors telling him, everything's wrong, yeah. everything's wrong, everything's wrong. And mm-hmm. here's finally a doctor who's going to tell mm-hmm. him that there's nothing wrong with your son. Yeah. You were having the experiences with God. You were having those encounters. Yeah. And he wasn't, and, the, and if you allow that doubt and that fear of what others are saying, it just fills you up instead of what God is saying filling you up, right? It's, you know, so in the midst just, of that, Jamie, like God yeah. is so... He loves our marriages more than we do. And he never, mm-hmm. he doesn't ever say in his word that I am aware of. And it's not been my experience that he mm-hmm. ever leaves one spouse no. completely in, in the, the dark. dark. Like no. he always brings you to the two of you forward together. You don't have to be like what we've noticed in life. We don't, Vince and I don't have to be shoulder and shoulder on everything. Right. We right. don't have to be at all. He can be in the back and I can be blazing forward or he can be blazing forward and I can be hanging back. But what God never wants us to do is to be going in opposite mm-hmm. directions, like right. away from each other right. horizontally or away from each other vertically. Like God loves our marriages so 
much so mm-hmm. that how could he not bring Vince forward? Right. With me. Like, right. Now right. I think of it and I think like how crazy would I, but I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't understand that at that time. Well, it goes back to like us women being their helpmate and how, you know, if one is like, you know, dragging or having a hard time. Yeah. The other one, I mean, I see this in our marriage. Like if I'm going through doubts or I'm going through fears, my husband's there to encourage me yeah. and move me along. Yeah. And then when he's down in the dumps yeah. and he's having doubts, <laughs> I'm like, you, we've got it, babe. Yeah. We can do it. And God purposely has that for us so that we can help each other along, you know, yeah. and pull each other forward if we need to at that moment. Yeah. You, okay. So then the last little bit of it and what is so incredible to me, when Christian was added to our clan, then it was like we were all a family, mm. all five of us together. Mm-hmm. Instead of being these people that had been, you know, like blended together and all that, none of that existed anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With Christian, we were a family of five mm-hmm. and we were a family together. Mm-hmm. And we were, it shifted radically our relationship with all three of the kids to have Christian in the picture. and. And God knew what he, we needed as a family mm-hmm. to be able to not just have like these half siblings or any of that nonsense. Like we never really used any of those labels in our household, mm-hmm. but for sure our kids were told those labels, mm-hmm. you know, like, right, well, that's right. only your half sister. Therefore some other nonsense or whatever. Mm-hmm. None of that exists in our family at all anymore. We were a family with Christian joining us completely and utterly all five of us together. Yes. Yes. And do you know the relationship that I have now with my stepson? Mm. It's incredible. Oh, I bet. I bet. You know? And the things that he got to see is just the miracle he got to see yeah. at 16 years old. Right. It's just you, that's priceless. You just cannot, I mean, that is just the best experience you can ever probably go through at that age. Just to make... God is real, you know, he's the real deal and he still performs miracles today. And for the younger two to constantly have the opportunity to give testimony of Christian's healing. Yeah. Like when Sophia was little, she knew what happened because we would tell her when we, we'd tell her at, when she understood it at three, we Mm -hmm. talked to her like she was a Mm three-year-old. As she got older and understood it more, we Mm -hmm. would... Talk to her more about it. There was a point when Christian was maybe, I think maybe one, and we were celebrating his birthday and giving testimony again. And she was like, Mommy, what are you talking about? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so we revisited again and we would share again. And like there's times when as they've gotten, as the younger two have gotten older and I've gone back and recounted what God did, did for us. Like my kids know that God heals. Yeah. They yeah. know that we can trust when God's word mm-hmm. says, when we lay hands on others, that they will be healed. When we believe, they know in their heart mm-hmm. that God will do them and meet that. Mm-hmm. That God never, there isn't any example in the entire Bible where Jesus didn't heal anybody who came to him. Mm-hmm. Not once That's right. did he fall short. That's right. And so to be able to have that f- gift for the two of them, because mm-hmm. they go out and they pray with me. When we're mm-hmm. out, we pray for people. Yeah. They know God heals. They know mm-hmm. God heals in the little things when you hurt your ankle, mm-hmm. running around, messing around on your skateboard. They know God heals in the big things. They know without a doubt. It's so cool. That God is so real. And the more mm-hmm. we remind them, because I feel like in life we almost kind of get older and then we make this choice to become a little bit more skeptical and it's like no 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 let's go back to the truth mm-hmm. of what happened in our family Brings, and the testimony yeah. that we can give however mm-hmm. god often god allows us and the times when i've been able to share the testimony i've shared with a couple of moms who've had babies with trisomy 18 diagnosis and the outcomes were not the same mm-hmm. and yeah. still being able to encourage them and love on them and meet them where they're at mm. with different outcomes, like still yeah. being able to say like God's good all the time, regardless yeah. of what happens in our lives. Yeah. He's yeah. a good dad. Yeah. Always. Always. Incredible. Incredible story. And I love how the kids, that childlike faith and having them pray with you and then seeing the miracle at the end and, and you reminding the kids like this is what happened. Let's yeah. remember the miracles. Yeah. Because I think we need that reminder 
all the time of what God has done for us. And that's why I just love sharing our stories because it brings us back to those moments in time where God came through for us. Yeah. And, you know, what did God do, you know, yeah. to while I was going through this? And, you know, a lot of it is building character. And I'm sure you <laughs> and, and everybody in the family built care. And it's it's a testament, too, to the others that were praying for you. Yeah. And you're encouraging the hearts and increasing other people's faith that yeah. were we're right there beside you, cheering you on and praying with you, you know? And we had a lot of people that came up afterwards and they were like, man, I thought you were doing the wrong thing and I oh, wasn't yeah. going to say anything. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were crazy. And I was like, well, yeah. okay. Like yeah. you, you can think that. I, I won't think any less of you well, at all. But it, you yeah. know, it's just like, it's just where God had us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. what I've learned in life is that God has each of us on these similar but not exactly the same paths and so we're to have joy when our friends have joy and when they're crying cry with them like we're Mm -hmm. supposed to labor with one another and be these co-laborers with christ and the Mm -hmm. holy spirit and look to the father for all this stuff Mm -hmm. but then also just know that my story is not exactly like somebody else's story because this Mm -hmm. is what god's doing Mm -hmm. in us to restore us to redeem us, to bring yeah. us back to him as his kids and, mm-hmm. you know, to help us to understand how much he loves us yeah, and yeah. how much he'll relentlessly pursue us. That's right. Even when we're not, even when we don't want him to. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's that yeah. there's nothing short of a mm-hmm. miracle just to say that you and I have been able to accept Jesus. Like that's miraculous all on its own. That's right. To know that we have that relationship with Jesus. And it's amazing Mm -hmm. to me. And I think oftentimes when we are obeying God and, you know, it's not evident, but you're, you know, what is faith, right? You're hoping for the evidence of what we can't see. And so you're putting your hope and trust in the Lord. And I think oftentimes, you know, others around us will think we're crazy. I mean, when we just picked up and left California to move to Austin and we didn't have a a house necessarily, yeah. a destination right away, <laughs> my family, were they were like, you're nuts, yeah. you're crazy. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't just move without knowing where I was going to, you know, live. And here we had three small children. It wasn't just my husband and I, it was family of five. So that's probably a pretty cool sign looking back going, <laughs> okay, you kind of want people to go, oh my gosh, you're crazy. Because then, <laughs> then you know, okay, I'm doing what God is calling me to do because it's not going to make sense <laughs> in the natural, right? Yeah. So yeah, good for you. And good for you to listen. I kept going back to you are a believer, you're saved, and then two years later, you're getting prayed over. But in that time period, you're starting to kind of understand hearing the voice of God, hearing Mm -hmm. his Holy Spirit, which I mean, that just excites me because I think it's, it's taken me years to recognize his voice and to go, oh, that, that is that because, you know, I obeyed and look what happened. And so over time, you start training your ear to hear, you know, the Holy Spirit. So good for you yeah. to know. I, I don't know. I feel like two years, that's pretty darn good to oh. have that. <laughs> I'm keeping this baby and, you know, yeah. really going against all the medical tests and everything that's showing evidence you know from the hospital and and saying I'm not gonna believe in what the reports say but I'm gonna believe in what God says so well and I could say in looking back I probably would not have characterized myself as understanding and hearing the voice of God it was more of a knowing or just was more like a feeling yeah like a inclination inside Mm -hmm. of me Mm -hmm. um so it 
that that part about hearing his voice like I could call it that now because I understand it that way now but I didn't yeah. understand it that way then yeah you were going um, by gut and feeling yeah. I had been like for me I had been raised in kind of like a good works we're Christian household but we there was no Jesus there was a lot of abuse yeah like I kind of a, I look back and I realize mm, our household was not very healthy growing yeah. up just l- abuse yeah. at every level right and I really did not want when I became a believer I didn't want lukewarm Christianity Mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. I didn't want to you know accept Jesus for heaven later and then yeah. and I, I really those verses where it says you call my name but I don't even know you I vomit you out of my mouth yeah. I was like yeah. oh god please I don't <laughs> I don't want to be yeah. one of those people right and right, so right, right. Yeah. it's kind of my inclination to swim real deep yeah probably much to Vince's <laughs> yeah dismay <laughs> You're swimming down that river. He's like, I'm just getting my toes wet. But you know what? Like I'm it's coming. No, yeah. it's amazing to, um, you know, God's taken Vince deeply in other areas, and so this is, it's right. He's done that together, but differently for us. That's and, right. And so it's really incredible yeah. to see that. It just yeah. shows how uniquely made we are. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And how? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Anita. What an incredible, um, miraculous story. And I know it's going to speak volumes to the other women listening. So um, you're welcome. Thank you. And yeah, thanks for joining us. Talk soon. Thank you so much for listening today. I trust that God has encouraged you through this message. For more information on this ministry and to access free downloads, please visit my website at jamieelizabeth.com and sign up. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Jamie Elizabeth She Speaks Life. That's J-A-Y-M-E Elizabeth She Speaks Life. Until next time, my friends, I pray God reveals himself through your own life story.